This is Sean Cannon, a.k.a. Mike Barnes from the Cobra Kai. If you're not listening to Fourth Cut Reviews with Chris and EJ, well, then you might as well just go study some of that Miyagi-Do crap, losers. gentlemen welcome back to a brand new episode of fourth cut reviews i'm your host ej leeson and with me today is the one and only chris conforti how's it going dude i am doing well how about yourself today oh i'm doing so great it's it's fantastic how great i'm doing we're we're gonna we're gonna do something here that we've never done before this is gonna be our first ever full anthology yes i know and it's one that I'm really excited about because I'm a super fan. And so, and me too. It's going to be really cool. Let me introduce the one and only, the better Chris, Chris R. Wrong. How's it going, buddy? <laughs> Good, man. How are you doing? The best Chris, as you like to be called, right? <laughs> Correct. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, the objectively best Chris. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. no doubt in anyone's <laughs> mind, it's you are the best, right? <laughs> Correct, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's what I, I just wanted to clear things up and make sure the audience knew. <laughs> so to start this episode, <laughs> I feel like it's only fitting. I'm just going to disregard everything that Chris Hard just said. I, well, it's to me, like he doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. He, he doesn't exist. He's he's on this thing because he hasn't seen any of the Star Trek movies. He's he's barely even seen the original series. I don't even, I don't even think he's seen the original series. So we're jumping him right into the movies because, to be frank, we're a movie podcast and we don't have time for him to watch all of the original series. However, he should because they're awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's so many, so many good episodes. Um, well, I love it. I love all three seasons, but I, so I think it's, it's fair that we start off with space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. If you don't know what we're doing, we're doing Star Trek. That's right, Star Trek. Because that's what we do. We're nerds. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, for the audience at home, uh, one thing you have to understand, I, obviously from our icon, you can tell that we're both Star Trek fans. I mean, Chris, I don't know, Chris R, like, I don't know how much Star Trek, like, how into it you are. So this is where things are going to get real interesting. Uh, <laughs> I mean, forever in nerd culture, it's always been Trek versus Wars. And uh, I know you guys are very much into Trek. I still to this day prefer star wars uh, it's a personal thing i understand the appeal of star trek definitely the realism has has its place um i do like the show i've seen a handful of episodes i mean i definitely watched the whole con episodes um 
and stuff like that from the original. Most of my experience with Star Trek has been the next generation. That's what I grew up watching. Do love me some Picard. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Very anxious to get to the later later movies where uh, he shows up, especially some of the crossovers with the original cast and the uh, next generation cast. Yes, yeah. Yeah, no, dude, Um, it's crazy because I I love Star Wars, right? I probably grew up more with Star Wars than Star Trek, but I remember going to see the movies with my dad, like taking me to see like the Star Trek films, but also I would watch Next Generation more and it was like not until oh, I, I don't even remember. And it was before high school. I just dove in and started watching the original series and I loved it. It was like it was so good. And even when I first met Chris, we would talk and I'd be like, yeah, I love Next Generation, but I, I do like the original series, too. Yeah. I was always an original series guy. Yeah, you were you were kind of dabbling a little bit into the original series. Like, I don't think that was like your your favorite yet. Right. Yeah, because Next Generation, I was like, I would watch like when it would air on television. <laughs> like I was I would look forward to that every, you know, every week. But like with the next or well, the original series, it wasn't something I got into into until I was a little older, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So to put into perspective how, how big of fans we are, we've actually dressed up as Kirk and Spock uh, to go to Comic-Con. <laughs> yep. I have a autograph from Shatner, mm-hmm. Leonard Nimoy, as well as DeForest Kelly. Yeah. And I think it was for your birthday, I got you a Leonard Nimoy autograph. Yes. Yeah. I also, and you have Michelle Nichols, too. Um, I have Michelle Nichols. Yeah. And maybe George Takai might be coming. We'll see. Yeah. But like the only two people, well, I mean, I don't have DeForest Kelly, but uh, like I would love to meet Walter Koenig and uh, George Takai. Yeah, me too. It's on my list, my bucket list. They're like the only ones left. It's it's kind of sad. Like James Duhon, like he's he's actually a hero. I'm not sure if you know about some of the things that he was involved in, but I, be- I believe if I remember correctly that he may have taken out two snipers in D-Day. Oh wow! But he's actually like a hero. Yeah, and he played Scotty for the for our audience that don't know. Right. Who I actually texted EJ not too long ago that Scotty is the MVP of the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs> he's like so underappreciated. <laughs> he is the hero of it all. Yeah, he he like basically runs the ship, and Kirk is always like, "Put it in warp speed." He's like, "I'm giving it all." She's God, like, what do you want from me? He's like. <laughs> He's like, I need you to do this in a minute. And Scotty's like, well, I'm going to need five. And Kirk's like, just do it. And he's like, all right, because I just have to do it. <laughs> but Scotty is the MVP of the show. Now, Chris R., now, this, so was this your first time watching? Today, we're talking about the first movie, the first Star Trek, your the motion picture. Was this the first time you ever watched it? Yes, before today. I the only Star Trek movies I have seen were the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. Okay, okay, awesome. Now, uh, like straight up, I gotta. I know it's a it's slow paced, right? But what did you think of this movie? I did not like this one. Um, I'm not gonna say it was a terrible movie. Um, again, coming into this kind of raw, I don't know 
Um, like I have the basic Star Wars knowledge of like who the characters are just by looking at them, but it was incredibly slow paced for me, and it really didn't hold my attention. Like I, it was a chore for me to make sure I was paying attention, and yeah. uh, I think. For the first movie, they probably should have went with, not to spoil anything, but honestly, this movie's been out since 1979. If you haven't watched it and you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> watch the movie. Um, they should have gone with a tangible bad guy, in my opinion, um, just to be able to kind of capture the eye. It was just a missed opportunity, in my opinion. Like, this was made for the fans that already knew and were experienced with the series, and I think they missed an opportunity to hook people that didn't have the experience with the original um, cast and bring them more into the fold. And again, I grew up watching Next Generation because streaming wasn't really a thing when I was a kid. There was no real easy way to watch the originals other than renting them. And I wasn't that interested. I would watch Next Generation with my dad. And I mean, I was young, young, like six or seven. So it's not really the show that kids at six or seven are going to go out and be like, let's watch, let's watch William Shatner and like fight a lizard, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I had a, actually a very similar experience to you, Chris. When I first watched this movie when I was younger, I actually did like it, but then I revisited it. I think it was maybe about five years ago and I watched it again. And I was like, man, this is so slow. It, it seems like it's 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 one con like a lot of it's one continuous shot, and I think about twenty minutes of the movie is just showing the Enterprise gearing up. Actually, that and, was one of my biggest complaints. I mean, uh, just yeah. just through the editing, um, what was it? What was Kirk and Scotty when they get on the shuttle to yeah. go to the Enterprise? In pretty much any movie. You'd see them get on the shuttle, they'd talk a little bit, and then you'd cut to them walking into the Enterprise. Not this yeah. movie. You get to watch them float all the way to the Enterprise, <laughs> dock, kind of and then get out, which, not a bad thing. Just, you definitely have to be, like, if you're a super fan, you're going to love it. <laughs> so I think what this was, and this is this is just my opinion on it, there was a lot of backlash because they canceled this show that everybody loved after three seasons. And I think a lot of this was kind of just being like, you know, we came here from here and like, what, when did Star Trek come out? EJ was yeah. sixties, right? 66. Yeah. Six, 66. Uh -huh. Right. Yeah. So I think a lot of it was, well, this is 66 here. We are in the seventies. Let's show you some of this new tech that we have to take you a little bit on the ride here. You can feel a little bit good because we're bringing this movie, we're bringing this movie to you for all the people that wish that we didn't cancel the show. So when I watched it five years ago, I'm like, man, this is like really slow. It's kind of boring. I'm not really feeling it. And I just watched it this time for this movie. And I'm like picking up like these little things. I'm like, you know what? This actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was five years ago. I, I think that, Maybe with the second rewatch, and this is true too. You haven't seen the original series too, so you kind of know them by looking at like their their faces. You know who they are, but it's I guess it's different when we from who we are. We've went along for this ride, like we've sat through 
90 something episodes to get to that point yeah exactly i mean just to kind of put it in perspective it's kind of like watching a star wars movie when they have a big cameo if you're not into it like no one was flipping like flipping out when the mandalorian came out if you didn't know who boba fett was you're just like oh cool a new character but like somebody like me who like i'm when I say I'm a Star Wars fan, like that has been my sci-fi movie. I watched all of the originals. Thankfully, my dad somehow managed to get me, unknowingly to him, he got me the VHS copies of the original theatrical cut before George Lucas started making all these changes um, to them in the 90s. So I grew up with the originals as they were shown in in theaters. <laughs> I'm going to make a case here and I think I'm going to I think I'm going to take some bullets here for anybody that's listening here. I think I'm going to take some bullets from the Trekkies and I think I'm going to take some bullets from the Star Wars fans. I don't think that they should be compared at all. They're two different type of stories. I think it's just the fans just need something to complain about. But here I am, like in the middle, and I like Star Wars. I think it's a little overrated at times. I know I'm going to get bullets for that. But I also like Star Trek because Star Trek is a nice little space ballad. Star Wars, great three movies. I mean, you could we could talk about the other ones that came out after that. But the, the other three movies are pretty good, but they really don't have anything in common. Well, except for fans that like sci-fi. Honestly, like you're saying, it's the difference between space fantasy and space, like, actual sci-fi based in reality. And you can't really compare the two. Exactly. And there's a lot of things in Star Trek that have come to be reality as we know it now. Like the communicator, that's actually in the past at this point. They had, what was that, the Nextel flip phones? Well, that's right. I mean, hell, like smartwatches exist now and you can video chat and like it just with something in your pocket. It's amazing how far we've come. And while we don't have flying cars like people expected in the 60s. I mean, we do have a good bit of technology if you actually look around for it. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, sure. Doors, yeah. I, obviously, we grew up with automatic doors, but they didn't exist in the 60s. And they literally would have a guy stand behind the thing and pull the door open. And they would add the sound effect in later to make that <laughs> and, like closing, opening and closing the door. And that became like a reality. Yeah, like the Nextel phones were obviously like the communicators. Uh, anytime they pull someone up on the screen, it's kind of like FaceTime or Zoom, you know, what I mean? yeah, and, or Skype or whatever. But um, there's a lot of things in Star Trek that actually did become reality. Yeah, it went from science fiction to like science fact. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's it's kind of. And awesome. here's a cool thing too. Oh, go oh on. No, no, go I was go. I was just gonna say like a lot of the. And I've had this argument with other people before. Star Wars. I think is more influential for film. But I think for astrophysicists, I think Star Trek actually is the more influential one. Oh, easily. Just go Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? Like, there's so many people that got influenced. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's so many. I used to listen um, to Science Fantastic, right? Hosted by... I, I want to say it's Machio Akiko. Oh, he's he's great. I've actually listened to him speak oh, quite a bit. <laughs> I met I met Machio Akiko. And he he was he would always bring up Star Trek. Like 
oh, you know, they did this on Star Trek, and now it's a reality. Like, they're actually working on this or, or that. And I'm like, wow, it's crazy. But you could tell, like, him and um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, yeah, are huge fans of the series and probably inspired them to go into, like, that field themselves. You know what I mean? Well, so it's kind of yeah. Cool. I, I mean, especially when you just look at it. Like, I mean, I already said it's fantasy versus kind of semi based in reality. It, like, right. Star Wars is literally space wizards with laser swords. <laughs> Which yeah. I'm not saying that as a dig. I totally love the series. They've done a ton of things. <laughs> Cannot recommend The Mandalorian enough. <laughs> and um, I know. but then you have Star Trek, which really kind of embraced the science side of things. And I do think that's probably why you see people that were really into Star Trek that decided to go into science because they wanted to be the people on the Enterprise that are actually doing science. It's not so much just action. They're doing a job. They're exploring space. (laughs) And then you get into all the 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 socio stuff, like Mm -hmm. the social stuff. And how Captain Janeway is a war criminal. When you watch the original... And how Captain Janeway is a war criminal? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like for for uh, for like Star Trek, right? Yeah. So you get into all of the barriers that they were breaking. They tackled a lot of things in there. Women. They tackled racism. They tackled inter interracial kiss. I think it was the first interracial oh, kiss, dude. I. They tackled yeah. so much. Well, stuff I mean, in the original especially series. for the sixties, to have a show that kind of portrays a future where like you're a post-racial society where race doesn't really matter um right really is groundbreaking for probably one of the most divisive time periods for that kind of message so i have to get ej to tell this uh story of how the first interracial kiss came to be for anybody listening to this because he told me and I thought it was absolutely fantastic about William Shatner filming oh, this. Oh, it was it's the coolest story of all time. Um and, and there's so many things about the original series like you know Dr. Martin Luther King was such a huge fan and he actually convinced Michelle Nichols to come back for season 2 because it was so important to see um a woman of color not be the help in a movie like up until that point you would only see on television shows or movies it you know like people of color were always like the help not really doing other things and so he he told michelle nichols like the importance that you have on this show for young women especially um is going to like be so influential you have to do the show because she was thinking about leaving and going back to broadway that's not like where she was at at one point because she thought the show was probably gonna get canceled it was kind of you know what i mean at that point that season one was really unknown territory uh but after talking with him she's like oh i better stay on this show and and keep going which was incredible but the the kiss this is like the best story. So William Shatner and Nichelle Nichols, they're supposed to kiss in this episode. And all the executives at CBS were like, oh, we don't know. That's uh, We don't think America's ready for this. Uh, we don't want, really want to do it. And like William Shatner's like, well, 
how about this? I'll do the kiss, right? And and then we'll do other takes and see how it goes. So uh, he does the kiss and he's like, you know what? I, I feel like it didn't, I didn't get it on that first try. Can we keep doing that one again? So he does it and does it and does it and does it. And he keeps saying, I feel like I didn't get it right. So I want to do the kiss again, right? So it, then finally, like the end of the day, and they're like, can we just get like, the one where you guys don't kiss? He's like, yeah, sure. So they only film one scene where they don't kiss and they go like cheek to cheek. And uh, they're like, okay, that's it, right? So when they're go- <laughs> reviewing that take, they realize William Shatner crossed his eyes and ruined the take on purpose so they would use the kiss for the show. And I was like, <laughs> that is the coolest thing of all time. Yeah, so think again before you start trashing Shatner. He's actually not that bad of a guy. <laughs> but. Well, we have to actually start talking about yes, this movie. <laughs> I know, we have to talk about this movie. Now, okay, yes. Uh, the scene going to the ship with him and Scotty, I actually timed it, and it was about eight minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's too much. And it was a little long, but I did appreciate the idea of being a Star Trek fan and and seeing it on the big screen for the first time in 10 years, right? Exactly. Taking it in, like taking, like you yourself, you were Shatner in that moment, like seeing the ship, like going up to the ship. And yes, it was a little little on the long side, but in the end, I, I could feel that. Like, I know I would, I would, I was feeling emotional at the idea of seeing the ship for the first time. You know what I mean? Like, so I just, it was so good. I really liked it, but I do agree. Like the pacing of this up, like this show, (laughs) this movie is a little on the slow side. Yeah. But I did appreciate everything. Like bones, when he comes in, it's the best entrance out of the whole movie. (laughs) Yes. I bones is my, so before anybody realizes is he? Because I thought I thought Spock no, was. Spock, no, uh, okay, well, it's great because they show Spock in the beginning of the movie and he kind of has like a Mick Jagger haircut. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I do love Spock. No, don't get me wrong. I love I love all the characters. That's my problem. <laughs> like, I literally love the whole crew. And so you'll say, like, you know, there's times where I'll be like, oh yeah, Shatner is my favorite. And then there's other times where I'm like, oh, I yeah. love Sulu. You know, but... It, in all honesty, I love all the characters uh, from Scotty to to Kirk. You know what I mean? So I um, but yeah, Bones entrance. It was so good. Did you want what did you want to say about it? I'm sorry, because I kind of like cut you off. Oh, no, no, that's uh, I was going to say, I've seen too many Star Trek documentaries where I can't even cite where this was. But. So I love Spock. I love Kirk. I love pretty, the whole cast, I, I think, is just great. But it's the three main ones, right? Like, you get Spock, who deals with logic. Yes. You, you get uh, McCoy, who deals in emotion. And then you get Kirk, who's really kind of both of them, but he has more charisma. And all three of them just kind of create the perfect human being. Right. Yeah. Like, they're all perfect. And... and that's a great thing about like these three characters too. And these three actors, they just gel. They're just good. Yes. 
I got back and say, like, you can't knock any of the, the main one's performances. I disagree. To me. <laughs> Nemo. Well, who are you going to knock? So, what? now, All right, Chris hang on. <laughs> before, <laughs> no, before. <laughs> oh, my God. This is the most. No, now, before you guys world. come at me. What? I understand that Spock is supposed to be very logical, very, like, straight. But so much so, like, he played it just to the point where he seemed robotic to me, anyways. He's supposed to be. Then not to go forward alien. in some stuff and some of the other episodes I've seen. He is supposed to be half-human, too. <laughs> yeah, but that's not, the, that's not as mo. So, hold on. Okay, I have to give you a little bit of a, a skill set here, here in Star Trek here. <laughs> so, it really means something when his human side comes out. So most of the time, what you see with Spock is what you saw with Spock in that episode. Or that movie, I should say. When he comes out and shows his human side and shows emotion, it's usually something that means something. So... I don't, I don't, I don't feel it. No, I'm not agreeing. With Honestly, you on this the one. the one <laughs> yeah. part that really stuck out to me the most was when, like, they were welcoming him back onto the ship, and he just doesn't say anything to anybody. Okay, there's a reason for that, though. There's a reason for that. EJ, do you you know what the reason is? Is it that I'm he sure. it, was it involving the, the ritual that he was in in the very beginning? Yeah, they melted all, all right, his emotion. Now... I believe wasn't wasn't that it? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> They melted his emotion and like his memory or something. Yeah, and then also uh, with Spock, he felt the presence of a, a new living thing, and so to him that was like th the most pressing matter. And that's always how Spock is too. Like he always puts problem ahead of his own emotions, and so I feel like when he boards the ship, he's really thinking about Verger. You know what I mean? Or Vager? Vader? Yeah. Feature. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> feature. Feature. Yeah, it's feature. It's really voice. Like, yes. That, no, that's all part of that ritual thing is they like, he was getting, I, I feel like, a, a, I don't want to say he was getting too emotional, but you have to imagine, like I said, like this is, this is how many years in the future here. They're, they're thinking, you know, he's a Vulcan. Now he's, he's had an attachment with Kirk. You get to see it as it goes on, of course, in these movies. He has this attachment with Kirk and to a lesser extent bones, though those two are kind of like frenemies a little bit. <laughs> but then he like, that's it. Right. He goes back to Vulcan. His friendship that he had got the humanistic side of him. He's he's he, he doesn't get to see them anymore. So I guess I took it where that Vulcanistic ritual was to kind of get rid of. Kind of like that. Well, they do say bond, that right in the like dialogue somewhere. I, I think it was Bones might have even mentioned that that's exactly what that process he was in was supposed to do was to like wipe away all emotion. I shouldn't say. I, think I shouldn't a little say critical. critical. He played it well. If that's what it was supposed to be played as, it. If that's the case, then it isn't Nimoy's fault. It's actually, in my opinion, the director's fault for not making it more welcoming to non-fans. Again, like I said, that's, I think, the this movie's biggest issue is it doesn't take the time, not that it needs to hold your hand through anything, but to explain, like, hey, let's not just glance over this one line of dialogue. <laughs> like, kind of make sure it's an important thing. And uh, then it would have 
kind of clicked with me a little bit more and I wouldn't have had an issue where I was like, wow, this kind of seems stiff and weird. Like, even if he was like, I know that like, I know that Spock is supposed to be like cold and calculating, but to the point where he wouldn't even respond to people (laughs) that he was supposed to be like crew members of. Also, again, I'm working off of assumptions, not fact of watching the show. (laughs) So he has this emotion. So you have to think of it, I guess, from a Spock perspective, you haven't been with these people now for a long time that you've spent the whole five years with. And they've kind of gotten you to break a little bit, right? Like you're starting to get these, these relationships with a lot of the people on this starship and then it's just gone. So Spock's, I guess his logic would be to clear those emotions. So that's what I think when he gets back in, he's just, you know, the same robotic spot that he was in the first mm-hmm. couple episodes. Yeah, um and, and then I guess yeah, so they start gathering the old crew. Like some of them are there and stuff, right? On the ship. One thing that we get to see is the new crew, right? So we get to meet characters like um Leah. Yeah, Decker Decker captain of the Enterprise. And uh actually this is one of the driving emotions of the, the movie that I really, or storyline, that I really, really liked um, is the fact that Decker is getting replaced by Shatner, who kind of recommended Decker in the first place, right? And so Decker feels like he's getting pushed out mm-hmm. of this mission, which he's been waiting to do something fi- and finally has a chance. And he, like, Kirk comes in and kind of takes that away from him. I thought that was, like, one of the most interesting aspects of the movie, like one of the minor stories of it. Uh, but I also like how Kirk, even when he does take over, he's not aware of all the new changes that happened since his time being away. And so like, there's like filling him in on it. No, there's, a, there's a lot of cool stuff that I really did like about Decker. And then Ilya, um, the actress, Percy's uh, Kambada, right? Like I loved her. I thought she was, so awesome and she she was just great uh (laughs) and then i also liked that we get to see nurse chapel who's now dr chapel in the original series and Mm -hmm. and sin rand like i thought that was cool too seeing her you know story they they are going to see this thing that attacked these clean on um ships and uh they're setting out to check out what this thing is, and it turns out, Chris, do you want to take it from there? <laughs> that what what it turns out to be, so they actually it actually it takes any type of a slight as an attack, even if you were to put up your shields, it'll take it as an attack. So this film, what they're doing is it's it's kind of I, I feel like it's a lot of a tussle between Spock and Decker. Decker's, and so this is, I, I like Decker, but Decker is just a continuation right. of McCoy in a way, right? Decker Decker doesn't deal with logic. Decker deals with his emotion. He's like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't think we should do this. And Spock, or, or I'm sorry, uh, Kirk, 99% of the time is just like, yeah, eh, we're going to do it this way. <laughs> but it ends up... Um, I, you know, and I used to hate this 
Like when I was when I was younger, I didn't mind it so much. I saw it five years ago. I just couldn't stand it. I was like, oh, this is like a really stupid thing. Like the stupid, <laughs> like the climax of the movie. And now when I just rewatch it, I'm like, you know what? It's just actually, it's actually really cool, right? Like we know that the Voyager was sent out into space to retrieve all types of data and right. all types of knowledge that it possibly can, right? Right. That's factual. We know that. I'm like, you know what? The writer actually did a really cool thing by saying, well, what if that programming combined with an alien spaceship of some kind or some type of alien particle, and and it realized that that was the goal, right? To recover all types of knowledge that you possibly can. Yeah. And it just never stops. Like it never stops until, and but it's it realizes that its mission is ultimately to come back to Earth, right? To come back to its creator. So at this time, I was like, you know what? That's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, That's actually I feel like kind of clever. This one in particular, like this movie, feels the most like a Star Trek episode. Yeah. That's actually exactly episode. what I was going to say, too. Yes. It didn't really feel like a movie. It just felt like a two-hour-long episode of, of television. I mean, there are shows um, just coming to mind, like Twin Peaks. Their first episode was, I think, an hour and a half long. They're feature length like episodes, and I th- that's what this one felt like to me. It really did feel like it was an episode of TV. It wasn't trying to be this big, grandiose cinematic experience, more along the lines of welcoming fans back to what they loved. That's what I think it was, and and I think it kind of speaks a little bit because, like, so you've never seen. I've seen series, like four right? or five so episodes. Us, like I've seen, series. I've seen a couple of the episodes. Like somewhere, okay, so you've seen a few. Um, they were more diplomatic. I mean, you have the more like action based ones with Khan and stuff like that. I've seen, but yes, Spacey the Khan one is a great episode. <laughs> um, I like the action. Oh, yeah. That's probably one of the best ones. Can't go like wrong Mary... with that one. Savage Kurt, yeah, and no, I no, love that one. Million... There's so many I, different I ones. Million, but so many great episodes from the original series that I love. Yeah, no, I thought this felt... To me, I feel like the director was kind of going for... Uh, like, I don't know if he was really aware of the show, right? But jumped at the opportunity to make 2001 The Space Odyssey. Honestly, um, I I was thinking that myself exactly. was <laughs> I, Like, as I was watching it, I was like, man, this... Really seems like the director really liked 2001. <laughs> yes. And and so there's a lot of times, I mean, like the whole, um, you know, voyage well, from taking the shuttle up to the Enterprise. It just felt very much like the beginning of 2001, A Space Odyssey. Well, not the beginning, but, you know, like when he's traveling to the ship for the first time. Right. Mm hmm. And so, like, you you get this vibe, and uh, and that kind of goes throughout the whole movie. Um, I did, I really did like the premise of it a lot. And I feel like it was going for more of a stylized thing than a character thing. And so, I feel like a lot of... Uh, character development was not really in there except for maybe like the Decker uh, Ilya stuff in the 
in Kirk himself, you know, but like, I I do I do like it. I love the movie. I just feel like they're in comparison to the other movies and sometimes the show itself that this is a very character based show. Also, a uh, very like good social commentary. And I feel like this has great social commentary in terms of, like, what if this ever happened? (laughs) And uh, the whole artificial intelligence becoming self-aware. I I actually love that whole thing. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I love the movie, but I definitely can see uh, the problems in it, too. You know, like, not being accessible for a lot of audiences you know yeah now again being a fan of cinema of course i mean i'm on this podcast um the movie is gorgeous they use painted sets they use miniatures all this stuff that i love and geek out about um they do spend a lot of time showing you all of the wonderful set designs but yeah. you hit the nail on the head. Like they introduce Decker, you kind of get a loose feeling for who he is. You understand that him and Kirk are gonna butt heads, and I honestly think they lean on that a little too much. Um, and then that's really the only character development you see throughout the series. They're yeah. not series throughout the movie. Um. Again, not a terrible thing if this was, say, movie three or movie two. Um, But for a new fan, it is – or a new audience member, it's really kind of tough to sell this movie without you watching the series first. Right. Because I I feel like there's no major character developments. You know what I mean? Where, like, as soon as you watch the second movie – there's so much going on character wise that you automatically are like, wow, okay. Kirk's struggling with this, uh, like not being out in space anymore. You have Spock is trying to train his new recruits. You know what I mean? And you have like bones is trying to to cheer up Kirk, you know, like right out the gate, like, you know, all this stuff. And, and as soon as cons like con steps in, you get his backstory and without even seeing the show and, and you just feel everything in that movie. It's very character based. So it works super well on top of being a Star Trek film. It would have felt like it would have benefited from seeing Kirk step away from the enterprise. Like if, if they had like a little exposition mm-hmm. shot of him just stepping away from it, not commanding it and then kind yeah. of doing like a little jump yeah, forward. And, and- I, I think it would have benefited like, a little bit from that. The, the growth, uh, the not, not growth, but the the at the end where Kirk kind of acknowledges um, Decker not as a commander but actual captain. I thought that was cool too. Yes, I was, I I was like actually just going to say that. Casualties. Yeah. So the shit, like I, I feel like this movie. Um, even rewatching it, I, I was trying to watch it with more of a critical moviegoer side. Um, and sometimes I do let yeah. my, my love of things slip in too much. 
In my... Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, we could just go through the list I of them. We'll slip in and I just, like, ignore. Hubie <laughs> uh, Halloween. The wrong mission. I mean, that happens to so everybody, though. Eventually, hopefully, we can do a movie that I'm sure not many people like, like Batman Forever. And I guarantee you, EJ, my review on that will be starkly different than what most critics say. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a 10. It's the oh, perfect yeah. movie, and let ten. me tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, okay, so... Oh, God. With that being said... Well, that's going to be something that we have to review. Um, Chris R., you're our guest. First time watching this movie. What do you think, buddy? Uh, honestly, I would give this one, uh, like, five and a half. Uh, again, uh, if I knew that's the series, bad. it would honestly probably be, like, a six and a half, a seven. But not having any background, it was tough because you kind of had to, like, I found myself, like, wanting to stop and Google things to try and understand and piece together the understanding of the, uh, the movie as I went. Where if I watched the show, I'm fairly certain it probably would have just happened naturally. All right, Chris, what do you think? So I thought I was going to give this movie a five before I started reviewing this. And rewatching it, and then it just kind of aged a little bit better for me. So mm, I'm at dude, a, I think I'm at dude. a seven. I'm at a seven as well, like at <laughs> seven point zero. Um, I was like trying to be super critical, and and so this is the second time. Obviously, I love Star Trek, right? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll be super critical. But where do I really rank this? And I, and I love 2001 A Space Odyssey. And it, it gave a lot of vibes of that. Um, yeah, I give it a 7.0. So I'm with you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. That is crazy. This is the second time. And, and again, just to reiterate for the folks that are listening to this, I... we do not tell each other what the ratings are. I, I, I have not asked Chris R what his rating is. He hasn't asked me. I don't ask what EJ's rating is. I mean, we, we don't even talk about the movies before. Whatever sticks, sticks. I, we make no. it a point to avoid doing that. I, honestly, most of the time, I not wait to watch the movie until the night before or the afternoon of after I finish work. Um, just so I'm not tempted to, to text you guys and be like, oh my God, this happened. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's torture, by the way, because you're like, oh, I'm watching the Star Trek, and I wanted to sit there all day and work with it. What do you think, you bastard? You better like these things. (laughs) You're not going to be our guest anymore if you don't like it. I put a hit out on you, just in case. I have to to call him off, by the way. No, I I really, I love Star Trek so much, and I'm so happy that, Chris, you, like, threw it out there that you would want to do not just this one, but literally all of them. And so that's <laughs> like, hell yeah, I'm on board. Let's do it all. I'm... This is my reasoning for it, too. I feel like Star Trek is so good. And not enough people watch it, right? Like, Star Wars right now is all the rage. And if you think about Star Wars, the next logical thing that you think of is Star Trek. And if you like Star Wars, by default, you hate Star Trek for some reason. But the reason I wanted to do this is to hopefully get people to, like, 
and not even just if you want to watch the original show, you can, but just to like get people in the vibes that you can like them both. They're both good. Yeah. You and, just got to give them both like, a shot. Know, um, this movie is a little tough, tough segue for people to get into Star Trek. Like if you start off and you watch this and you're like, you check out and you don't bother checking out the other movies. Um, it, it's a loss on your end because uh, like, trust me, Yes, this one's a little tough to get through and a little long, but once you start up with two on, like they fly really fast, they move fast, they're fun and engaging and more character based, which is great. Honestly, I forget who one of my friends said. Honestly, Chris, it might have been you. Um, one of my friends said it. It was just that it's the odd Star Trek movies are kind of the slower ones and that are a little harder to get through. So like one, three, five, uh, from my experience so far, that does hold true. We'll see how it goes as we make our way through these, but yeah, no, I, I it is, it's kind of true. Cause the first, like out of the original series six, right. All the even movies are my top three. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same. Yeah, it, I mean, it's generally the way it goes now. Like, some of them aren't as bad as what I think people say. Like, I don't think one is as bad as people say. And I actually don't think, just, I mean, not to give a, a rating or a spoiler here, but three is not as bad as what people think it is. It really isn't. I am now excited to watch it because I will watch anything that Christopher Lloyd is in. Oh, Christopher Lloyd rocks. I mean, just look at it like this. It's Klingon, Doc Brown, flying through space. Yeah. What can go wrong? 50 gigawatts. 21 gigawatts. In an invisible space. gigawatts. By the way. Um, yeah, no, I I love Christopher Lloyd as well. And he's phenomenal in part three. Um, okay, well, with that being said, and we're like 50 some minutes, almost 50 minutes in, um, Chris, do you, Chris R., do you have anything you would like to plug? Uh, honestly, I again, I don't. Uh, not much is going on. Um, I do want to say for anybody that is listening and interested in watching any of the Star Trek stuff, Amazon Prime has most of it for free right now, as long as you're a Prime member. Uh, yep. Maybe. I think I recommended <laughs> that, right? <laughs> are, you try- are you trying to steal his plug? I think so. Is that what you're, you're welcome. Doing? I'm trying to I'm trying to say that I'm the best Chris because his <laughs> oh, plug actually oh. was my plug to him. So <laughs> just saying that's well, a plus one, one for this Chris. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> no, no, it's a negative. I didn't one diss Leonard Nimoy, I dissed the performance. <laughs> and now I think that falls more on the director. <laughs> yeah. Actually, and oh, and I didn't mention this, but Robert Weiss uh, directed this, um, and he did West Side Story, and uh, which is crazy. <laughs> so yeah, uh, now Chris, do you have anything you would like to plug? That's funny. No, I mean you could just follow us on Instagram at Fourth Cut Reviews. EJ, I think, did a little bit of an overhaul on her Twitter. I'm not sure if he's still active on that, but I know that he did a little bit of an overhaul. So I think we're no longer at the Chilling Coven. I think we're at yeah, Fourth Cut Reviews now. Fourth actually, cut. with like a four. At Fourth Cut. Uh, um, 
four T H C U T fourth cut. And that's it. Uh, yep. Thank you uh, for everybody that listens, of course. I don't really have any other plugs. I just, you know, want to thank some of our, our celebrity friends that have actually sent us cool videos and cool um, audio that we can use in our episodes. And, you know, they've been kind of yeah. nice and they've been plugging us and, you know, we're definitely appreciative of that. We have a couple ones that we're going to, I'm sure that I'm probably throw one in the beginning of this episode, but we have a couple cool people um, in addition to the ones that have already been so nice and plugging us. So thank you to all those yeah. celebrities that have, also, that have done um, that. Yeah. I just have a quick plug. Uh, check out Adam Farley music. Uh, wherever you listen to music, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, um, a frequent Adam. listener to the show uh, and one of our best friends. Also, if you want to follow us on Instagram at Fourth Cut Reviews, because Chris Conforti right there uh, runs a pretty tight ship with that. So definitely check that out and check out our live streams, uh, which we do every other Friday. Uh, last time we had Chris R on and giving his <laughs> thoughts about Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and checking out each episode. We really, really appreciate it. We love you guys so much. And with that being said, Chris, you want to say our goodbye? Space. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm not going to put you through that again. I'm Chris. Oh my gosh. Oh, that was so good. All right. No, guys, have a great night. And Chris R, thank you so much. Anytime, guys. Everybody. <laughs>